Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart, Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. Their stories connect us and help us understand that we can do anything if and when we support each other and lift women up. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and the wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they also inspired my newest book, which came out in 2019, called In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Libby Tyson. Libby is currently a doctoral student at the Department of History at the American University and the 2021 Graduate Collections. And she's also an archival fellow at the National Women's History Museum. In her work at the National Women's History Museum, Libby is heading the Women's Writing History Project, which is gathering stories for women during the historic times of the coronavirus pandemic. Libby first began pursuing a career in nonprofit art and historical collections during her undergraduate degree, balancing her internship in the institution's campus museum and the AmeriCorps service in the lower elementary classroom and she earned her Master's of Art in Museum Studies from the University of San Francisco. While in the Bay Area, she worked with a handful of social profits, broadening her experience to include collection management, exhibition design, tutorial and registration work, public programming, lesson planning, digital content creation, and digital marketing. Wow. Born and raised in a rural and underserved community, Libby is passionate about providing access to culture and education, and she sees social profit institutions as the most effective means to accomplish this meaningful work. Libby eventually hopes to serve as the curator of an arts or historical social profit organization. I'm very pleased to welcome Libby Tyson to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy and to find out more about the women writing history journaling program. Welcome. So Libby, I just did a wonderful introduction about you, and now you and I are going to talk about you. And I always start these conversations out very much the same way each time, and that is tell me about you, your personal story, how you got to be you, and who am I talking today with? So how did you get to be the Libby that's talking to me today? Oh, wow. That's such a a big question. Um, Okay. Well, I wish that I could say that I had a career in museums in mind whenever I was growing up. Um, To be quite honest with you, I I didn't. And I never really considered museums as a potential career path or site of employment for myself until I was much older. But I will say growing up, I I was raised kind of in a, a more rural area. And because of that, my family went to museums when we could. So, like, vacations or if we went to, wow. we drove into town. Um, and so I think there was probably this subconscious connection in my brain between museums and fun <laughs> um, uh, that I, I learned early on. Yeah. But what really got me into this sort of work was when I was an undergraduate student, I began interning at my campus museum, and I also worked in the archives on campus. And those experiences, I did that for several years, and um, those years really opened my eyes just to the field. I felt like the work was very challenging, and I felt like 
the work itself, not only was it challenging, but it also was rewarding and it's something that made me think in different ways and, and I'm someone that I, I like being pushed to think differently. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of piqued my interest in, in the field. Yeah. Uh, when I graduated, I, I took a year to work and then I decided to apply for my master's in museum studies. And then in my MA program, I also worked outside of that coursework. So in a way, I gave myself the education of like a really practical, hands-on, working with actual nonprofits. Yeah. But I also had that foundational, more formal education about museum theory and conservation and preservation and that sort of thing. And I found that yeah. really rewarding. But I also felt like I needed more training. And so after I graduated from that program, I then applied for my PhD. And now I'm currently a PhD student studying early U.S. history. But, again, having worked in the past, I also wanted to do some type of work in Washington, D.C., which is where I'm currently based. Yeah. And so when I saw the National Women's History Museum advertising this position and this project, I knew that I wanted to be a part. And ideologically, I mean, that's more of the step-by-step explanation of how I got to be here, but ideologically what's really kept me in this path as a career in general is just I've always wanted to do work that not only would challenge me, but also work that I felt would have a lasting impact. And oh, yeah. museum specialists, archivists, and, and people in this general professional realm, it's not just a nine-to-five job. Like What you're actually doing is preserving records of the present moment and of past yeah. moments for current and future generations' usage. And yeah. that's not easy work, but it's just really, really important. And so that's kind of my longer answer, but ideologically it's what keeps me coming back to this work is the fact that it's, it's just so important. Well, I can absolutely understand that. Uh, I also grew up in Washington, the Washington, D.C. area. And one of the things that we would do, of course, when people came to visit, what would you do? You'd take them to the Smithsonian. You'd take them to museums. You would take them to places that were very historical. So I, I had that privilege and, of course, being surrounded by that. I don't think I appreciated as much as, as, as I was when I was a younger girl. But history, I think the, the term history was never really presented to a student in a proper way because when I think of history now, I think about storytelling. I think about our forefathers, our foremothers, they told stories, they passed them down from one generation before the written word. But history is so very, very important. And of course now the National Women's History Museum is more important than ever because we don't know where we came from. Uh, you know, I did, a, I did a program for the United Way, and it was called Know Your Mamas. We know our papas pretty much in this, history, in this country, but we don't know our mamas. So that was really, it was really a fun presentation, a fun conference to present, because we really started talking about our mamas and the women, the shoulders that we're standing on that you and I have completely been beneficial. Our lives are better because of it. But what you're doing is so extremely important because it is about storytelling. It's about the past and how the past and the present and the future connect us to become who we are and what we do and what we value in this world. So, I, I mean, I applaud you because uh, uh, we, we need this. I mean, I wish history was given in such a different manner 
to children that they really got to know the people, you know, the people, the men, the women involved in what they were doing, why they were doing it. And again, historically, they just wanted to make the world a better place. Would you agree? Um, yeah. I So in listening to your answer, so much of that really resonates with me. I, I come from a family of educators, and so having conversations about how things should actually be presented is something that is a deep um, activity that I've always participated in personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think history has not been presented as belonging to actual people, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I realized several years ago, uh, really when I got to college, that the only history I had really been told was history where the, the people involved in the stories were more like action figures, like two-dimensional. Sure. And then it, I, I did classics as one of my undergraduate majors. And so in studying classics, specifically with looking at classical artifacts that have been left behind, somehow that connected with me. And I realized, like, oh, wait, people in the past, they had the same ones. You know, maybe not the exact same because their, their realities were different, but, but they're actual humans who had human needs. And I think, like, that's a very basic premise, but yet I made it as, a, as an undergraduate student, and you would think that I would have made that earlier on. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really a challenge, uh, and I, I wish that people would present history as human, yeah. the, the stories of being human and, and what right. it is to mean to be human and all right, well, let's talk about the National Women's History Museum. You're, you're doing your, your training there, your internship there, and it's so, so very valuable. And hopefully one day you will be one of their curators. But talk about that. Talk about what the mission of the, the museum is. And it's been around a while. Talk about the, just the history of the museum itself. So the museum, it was founded in 1996, and it's, really the nation's leading women's history museum. It's dedicated to uncovering and interpreting and celebrating women's diverse contributions to society. And uh -huh. it also does historical preservation, um, but it also has educational um, outreach efforts. And in conducting all of these activities, the museum brings to life the, the countless untold stories of women throughout history. Uh, yeah. It also serves as a space for everyone to inspire and experience and collaborate and amplify women's impact in all time periods. And well, then, I'm sure you're I'm aware sorry. that I've been, well, I've also been very much involved with the museum as far as sponsoring different projects and being very much a, a supporter. But uh, again, you know, and, and receiving an award from the museum, I've never been more honored to be honored by an institution of such high status. But again, uh, the, they're also talking about uh, eventually a physical setting for the museum, which I think, you know, like you said, it's nice to be online and go see these things and maybe some of the some of the projects that the museum is doing. But it, but it would also be nice to have a, a museum that people could actually walk through the front doors and really start to to resonate with what they see, letters, different things that belong to different women, people in the history, the archival uh, information that you're talking about and the pieces that you're talking about, that we could really begin to touch our history, learn our history, but also begin to touch it and, and, and make it a part of who we are. Right, yeah, I think having a physical presence would really the museum already does so much, but I think having a physical presence would also just add to visitors' experiences in a way yeah. that 
a digital format just it's not necessarily the same, a one-to-one -one ratio. But I will say the museum is planning to have a physical location in Washington, D.C. in 2022. Um, I'm excited. So I'm there. I will be. I will say, be there. I will be going through those front doors. I, you will get to, <laughs> get to enjoy that moment. Yeah, but, uh, it will be very exciting. Well, we'll talk about funding in a little bit, but let's talk about something that's really, again, so much, so very important is the Women's Writing History Project, which you're involved with, because, you know, when, when we really start to journal and really tell our stories, then we find out, as you, you were saying earlier, then we find out that we're more alike than we're different. And I think this is where people get in trouble. They think everyone is so different from themselves, but when we really stop and think about it and start to really understand where we come from, we are more alike than we are different. So the journal, talk about that program, please. Right, right. So the journaling project, it's mainly what I interact with on a daily basis. My, my position was created primarily to work with the journaling project. Mm -hmm. And the overall focus of the project is really just the museum was responding to the pandemic and also recognizing that the pandemic, while affecting the entire world, would also have a unique effect on women specifically especially with jobs going virtual and you also have childcare concerns and, you know, some people were laid off. Like, there's a lot of different changes that the museum was recognizing that families were going through and individuals were going through during this time. And so because of that, the museum created the Women Writing History Project, which is a, a space where people can donate their pandemic and coronavirus journals. So a lot of people either took up journaling or they were active journalers, and then their, journal, their journals reflected the changing times and the pressures that were brought on by the pandemic. And so the yeah. museum wanted to create a space where people could share that information and then contribute to a larger archive of pandemic journals. So what, that's, what, are, what, are some of, what are some of the themes that you see in these journals? You know, I've, I've talked to many people about their, their emotional and their psychological as well as their physical presence during the, well, we're still going through it, but, but some of the things that they experienced. What, what are some of the journals saying about their experiences? Well, I think the journals, as far as themes, it's really been amazing. And I will say my position is a position of privilege in that I get to look at everything um, in a way that perhaps someone who's researching or someone who eventually sees the journals in a physical format won't be able to really sit down and look at everything. And from that, I, I will say the themes really vary um, as far as mental health. There have been several journals, like a, a good majority of journals, that talk about struggles with mental health, struggles with um, staying inside and being quarantined. Also, we accept journals from not just the U.S. And so that's been interesting because there have been international submissions. And in reading those, you can also see how different countries are reacting to the pandemic and how different countries were handling lockdown processes as they were happening. Um, mm -hmm. so, so there's that. But also there are really basic things within the journals as far as like joyous moments. Um, not to say that joy itself is basic, but there's one journal that I'm thinking of specifically where the person was, she wrote about the tea that she had that day and how the tea that she had was just wonderful and it was a bright spot to her day. And so I think the journals really speak to bigger themes, but then they also allow readers to see like the smaller moments where 
people are finding peace within harder times. Um, so, yeah, yeah there, I, there's not really one overarching story because there are so many and, and they're so vast, but at the same time, they're, they're really beautiful, I guess. That's, yeah. that's the, the underlying thread. It's like they're really, really beautiful and, and very intense. Well, I mean, historically, if you stop and think about the coronavirus and you think about what's been going on for almost two years, it's really been, it really will be one of the historical points in overall our history when we, we compare it to the Depression. We can compare it to many, many other uh, epidemics and so forth. But this one will really stand out because it affected the whole world. It wasn't mm-hmm. just the United States. It was all over the world. And I think in some ways the, the virus has, the pandemic has brought us together, you know, because we are, I mean, really it has kind of, uh, the ground level has kind of been neutralized. We're all about the same level when we've been experiencing this. And so I think we can really relate to one another better than we ever have been able to do so. I think one of the important things also from the pandemic that has occurred is that relationships, we have learned that relationships are so very, very important. And this, is, this has been a very positive time in many respects. And hopefully, hopefully we're going to start to see the uh, uh, other side of the mountain. We've, we've, I think we've hit the top of the mountain, so I think we're starting to see the other side of the mountain. But, I mean, that is my hope. But, but I hope we, you know, you know and you're, you're probably right in the middle of this also, but it's called Lessons Learned. What have you learned yourself? Uh, Libby, from this experience, not only the position and the internship that you've had in your doctoral program, but what are some of the lessons that you've learned from all this? Ooh, yeah, that's, wow, that's a big question. Um, I think for me, to contextualize when the pandemic hit in my life, I graduated from my master's program in December of 2019. And then I was going, I was essentially on the job market when the pandemic happened, because my plan yeah, but, was to yeah, many graduates were going, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm living at home, and I just graduated, and I can't find a job. Yes, I understand. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I was going to spend a few weeks with family, and that turned into much longer, um, just because <laughs> You got to know I your family really well, didn't you, again? <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that I like them. <laughs> you know, like, we get along well. Yeah, it, um, it really does help. It wouldn't have been great if you, if you didn't like each other. So, so, so right, lessons right, learned. Right. Yeah. yeah, so well, you, I you think... Found out, you found out family is really important, didn't you? Well, right. I've always been really close with my family, but I think one thing that the pandemic really showed me, both from this position and my personal perspective, is just how creative individuals are. And in a way, that's given me hope at the the resourcefulness that I ended up utilizing because, you know, I went to my master's program in the Bay Area. Um, Before that, I lived in Washington, D.C. Those are both very like cities, urban spaces, and then yeah, I went back to visit my family. Walkabout cities, yeah, they're walkabout cities. And, right, and and my family is not urban. <laughs> they do not live in an urban space, and so that was a huge adjustment. But because, personally, because I, I had to move so quickly and then I was just kind of in a rural space again, it made me adapt, and I started letter writing, and I was really putting in effort to reach out to my friends and so personally, I think that was kind of amazing to see that change in myself and to see how I was processing needing the connection that I was used to having from 
people who weren't related to me. Not to say that I, I wasn't thankful for the family time, but, you know, I, I missed friends. Um, so yeah. personally, there's that. I will say, too, the journals themselves, one thing that's interesting is they are in so many different formats that I've seen. So, for instance, um, we didn't really put parameters on the format of the journals. So we have some people who have submitted videos of like uh -huh. themselves just talking. Some have submitted videos of them talking with their own family or just, mm -hmm. you know, more of kind of like a movie uh, more of a constructed film that they've created to express their, their time in the pandemic. Some have been more traditional diary-esque formats. Uh, we have one that came in a box, and it was a woven knitted project. And so I think that's also been, I've interpreted that type of the variant and journal formatting is just a, a sign that people are very creative and in times yeah. of stress people's creativity will come through. And, and like I said, I've been able to draw hope from that too. Yeah. So I think that's well, probably you know, been I, my main takeaway. In, in, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, there were many things that during the pandemic I've, I've actually experienced in a positive. But I've also got horses and I've been able to live around my horses. That makes a difference. But, but again, started, started doing some things that I stopped doing like art, you know, I mean, picked up, read more books. I mean, we, we really, you know, I think the people that ended up being maybe healthier or at least experiencing better outcomes as far as the pandemic were those people that kind of went back to some of the things they had joy because they had time to actually uh, experience those things like reading or doing art or, again, contacting friends. But I think that's what the pandemic will show is that, uh, lessons learned is that some of the things that were most important are always important and that we never should forget, you know, where we come from and what really what makes us strong, what, what makes us healthy, and what really gives us joy. So, I mean, that's what you're talking about pretty much. Right, right. And, I mean, I think the pandemic has also proven other issues too. But uh, as far as a positive takeaway I've, I've seen in myself and others, just the fact that, people will be resourceful, I think. I really think that yeah. people will be resourceful, um, yeah. even in the most difficult of situations, and that's really incredible. So, so what are your hopes right now? What are your hopes and dreams? This is where you're, you're, you're in your doctoral program, you're you'll eventually com complete your, you'll get your PhD, and then you'll, you'll complete that education. And, but what are your dreams right now? What do you, what do you hope to accomplish right now? Um, you mean for me personally or, or with uh -huh, the project? Yeah, you, this is about you. <laughs> this okay. is all about you. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm a public historian at heart, and normally we work <laughs> in the background. Um, yeah, I think for me personally the plan is just to finish the Ph.D. Uh, I would like to write a book at some point, probably out of my dissertation. And I don't know. I think overall I really want to make sure that I never see – learning is something that is finished. I, I, yeah. I was always raised to really enjoy learning. I was a reader. Like I said, we went to museums. My mother is an educator. Learning was something that, in my earliest memories, it was always encouraged. And so even when I finish the PhD, I feel sure that people will say, oh, you're done. And there's a part of me that thinks, maybe I will be, but maybe I won't. But either way, I want to make sure that I just maintain 
the energy and the focus to keep myself learning new things. Yeah. So well, that's I, I can kind of the guarantee you, life will present different chapters that you will have to learn. <laughs> there, right. there are many people that have had to learn probably during this pandemic the hard way, and maybe hopefully they've they've had some lessons learned that have helped them. But uh, you know, this is this is kind of my statement. When I stop learning, it's time for me to get out. You know, <laughs> when that right. when that stops, that's when it's, it's time to go. You know, like I said, I do these conversations because I learn something each time I sit down with someone new, and and I, and something comes from it that helps me to understand something about myself and something about the world. So what you're doing is so extremely valuable to to be a part of the history museum, the women's history museum is. To me, probably one of the, the greatest things you can possibly do to, to leave behind the stories, to leave behind the, the, the accolades of, of what, who and what has happened that makes us who we are today. So, all right, well, how, how do we learn more about, you know, all this? And what, where do you invite people to go at this point? Again, we don't have the physical museum yet, hopefully 2022, as you said, we'll all be walking through those front doors. But for now, where can they go to get the information that we're talking about today? Right. So there are several ways to contact both the museum and then me and then the project itself. As far as social media, the museum is active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can either look up the or anyone interested can look up the museum, just National Women's History Museum. It should pop up. But the official handles are at Women's History, so W-O-M-E-N-S, History, on um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then the museum's actual website is www.womenshistory.org. To find the landing page for the journaling project, if you go to www.womenshistory.org, there's a tab entitled Public Programs and Events. If users click on that tab, there should be a drop-down window. And within that drop-down window, there is a link for Women Writing History, a Coronavirus Journaling Project. If users click on that link, it will take them to the project's landing page, which gives more information about the journaling project. And then at the very bottom, it also has embedded hyperlinks and instructions for submitting participant forms and also actually submitting journals if people do want to participate. Also for the journaling project, the social media hashtag for it is uh, hashtag history is now. And if people want to contact me specifically, my email address is fellow, it's lowercase f-e-l-l-o-w at womenshistory.org. Well, we'll get these links on, on the website along with this uh, conversation so that people can uh, find you and find what, what's going on at the museum. Is there something coming up, uh, some project uh, coming up with the museum? I know we just got through with uh, the Women's History Month and all the different activities, which were fantastic, but... Uh, is there something coming up with the museum that would uh, be something we should let people know? Yes. Well, I mean, the museum has a lot of projects um, happening right now. But I think in regards to the journaling project, an exciting development is that a virtual library of the submitted journals uh, is currently in the works. It's not up and running as of yet, but hopefully it will be added to the organizational webpage by the summer. And in that, we will have a majority of the submitted journals available so that people anywhere in the world can log on and look at the journals and sort them by um, different keywords. And so I really encourage anyone who's interested in this project to keep their eyes out 
because that should be up and running soon. Yeah. Well, the more people that can share, the more we can really, again, know how much we are alike rather than how we're different. So, well, congratulations on all your uh, amazing talents and uh, your education and where you're heading. And uh, like I said, history is so valuable, and we need to know where we've come from. And definitely, we need to know our mamas. So, Libby, thank you so much for talking with me today. We will uh, get this up and running, and we want to, again, the museum is very important to us. Women Connect for Good is very supportive of everything the museum, the National Women's History Museum is doing and what you're doing. So congratulations. Continue the work, good work that you're doing, and we will support the museum any way we can. So have a wonderful day, and thank you so much, and best wishes. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your time and interviewing me, and and also any support that you can give, the museum is grateful for it. So, uh, oh, yes, uh, fundraising is an ongoing project of the museum. So, uh, yes, money helps move that uh, opening of those front doors, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Any support is always welcome.